0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at tiaa.org/promises pay off. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. Several years ago, Shelly Zalas got an invitation. Shelley was a proven entrepreneur. She'd built an online research company and she'd sold it. And this invitation was to attend the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland.
1: My invitation was as follows. We want you to come to the World Economic Forum, but you might not feel welcome. That was my invitation.
0: Now, why wouldn't she feel welcome? Well, that was the World Economic Forum acknowledging what everyone knew. Davos, as it's often called, it can be a boys club. Big time. And so, of course,
1: I you know had a choice, don't go, because that's not a very welcoming invitation, or do what I said, which was great, I'll come. And I remember calling my girlfriend, who was the chief operating officer at Bloomberg, and her name was Jackie Kelly. I said, Jackie, you've got to come with me to the World Economic Forum because I don't want to go by myself.
0: Today's episode is about the power one person has to make a difference. There's so much wrong with the world, so much that each of us wants to be different. And sometimes those problems like institutionalized sexism and racism and global warming and hunger, to name just a few, they are overwhelming. I feel powerless even thinking about it. So today I bring you two stories from guests who decided to do something and then each of them did. We're gonna hear from Gina Glantz, who is a veteran political strategist. Gina got fed up that there were never any women on stages at the conferences she attended, so she came up with a quick and practical approach to change that, and it's working. But before we get to Gina, let's go back to Shelley, because Shelley also was sick and tired of being the only woman in the room. Davos is a particularly exclusive room, or rather a series of rooms behind a number of security barriers near the very top of a mountain, the very highest town in all of Europe.
1: So the World Economic Forum takes place in a small little town called Davos, which is in Switzerland. And it is a tiny little city and world leaders go. So it's invitation only. And it is for the presidents of countries and the CEOs of Fortune 500 organizations. Invitation only. And um, to be invited, you they have to be either the president of a country or the CEO of Fortune 500 and the top five people of Fortune 500. Right. And so who is the president of a country? A man. Right. And who is the CEO of a Fortune 500 company? A man. And who is the top five people in Fortune 500? A man, a man, a man, a man, and a man. And what color is their skin? White, 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 white.
0: So when you show up in Davos, it's all white men. I've attended Davos a couple of times as a journalist. And here's something else that's important to understand. Davos sets the agenda for business, culture, and politics for the year. Full stop. No matter how you feel about it, or even whether you knew this before, the ideas that you read in magazines, the stories you see on TV, even the political candidates that rise to power, these ideas all get set at this very small conference by a singular group of people gathering in basically the middle of nowhere. So when Shelley accepted this invitation, she also decided to take it upon herself to make Davos friendlier to women. She set up her own event just outside the conference gates and she called it the Equality Lounge.
1: So when I came, I called my lounge the place for the 18% because it was less than 18% women at Davos. So I called it the Equality Lounge, the place for the 18%. I love that. I love that. So year one, I had a little hole in the wall thinking no one was going to show up except Jackie and me. both of us were going to be sitting there and I said, okay, we'll have a good time. We'll be in Switzerland in, you know, gorgeous place, whatever. And lo and behold, everyone would come and peek in like, what's this equality lounge and, and you know what? We were a little popular, you know, we got a little, you know, curiosity factor and year one was interesting.
0: Shelly doubled her space in year two. She quadrupled it in year three. And then in her fourth year at Davos, Shelley brought 50 women to her lounge, and something curious happened. White badges started showing up. Those people with the white badges, they get to go to the main event. That main event is called Congress. Now, lots of other people come to Davos, lots of people who will never have white badges and never go to Congress. They just come to take meetings with attendees and do other business. These were the people who showed up at the Equality Lounge at first. But over time, it's become its own center of power, the white badges have shown up.
1: The most important thing that I did, which I do at every place I host Equality Lounges. So I create pop-up spaces called Equality Lounges at every major conference around the world, from CES to the World Economic Forum. And everywhere I go, I make sure I host the lounges in places that are non-badged because I never want to create a space that people can't attend. That is very important to me. So I will always hold it in a space that anyone is welcome, period. Now, six years later, we are the destination for equality. Everyone attends. We are standing room only. We have the best content, by the way, where Congress wants us to broadcast inside of Congress from a hole in the wall to a two-story glass house. We are not only hosting the most important conversations, defining and shaping policy around the globe, but it truly is the space where action happens, where we are closing the gaps. We are truly changing the equation. We are creating the space where women are visible, women are heard. We are creating the changes that are happening around the world, country by country. And and where the most important conversations truly are happening. They are happening in the Equality Lounge, more so than in Congress.
0: Shelley turned a space designed for equality into the room where it happens. She's created a place where everyone wants to be, and her floor belongs to people who might never make it into that main room, Congress, let alone on stage. I wanted to know what gave her the chutzpah, basically. What made her think she could make a difference?
1: You know, Jesse, I just—I—I I decided at this stage of my life, and this is why I love Gina, is I'm not going to wait and watch. I am going to create because if it's not going to happen, when is it going to happen? So if we don't start, it's not
0: going to. That was Shelly Zalis. She's CEO of the Female Quotient, and her story—it's a lot like that of my second guest, Gina Glantz. Gina's a friend. She founded Gender Avenger. Gina's inspiration came from frustration. Specifically, she was fed up with an event held at Harvard. Here's her story.
2: Every four years, the Kennedy School has a recap of the presidential race. And they bring in the leadership of the campaigns and the press, and they have an all-day session. And that night, the culminating event is at the Kennedy School Forum mini davos it's where the presidents of countries where ceos where you know major figures uh, around the world come and speak to students well in 2012 i looked up on stage and there were five white men we're talking about after the reelection of barack obama well this sent me around the bend so i went on my personal facebook page and said, I'm skipping the quadrennial presidential review, I'm tired of all white men all the time, you know, where's Gwen Eiffel? where's Stephanie Cutter, where's Beth Myers, all of whom I'd seen during the day. And I got an extraordinary response, loads of likes, many comments. Well, that night, there was a blackout, and they had to cancel <laughs> So the next morning, I went back on my Facebook page and I said, God heard our plaintiff cry. She turned off the lights. Well, hundreds of likes, dozens of comments, including some from individuals who were important to the Kennedy School, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, a variety of people. So I received an email rebuking me, saying, how could I do this? And I wrote back and said, it was easy. There were five white men on stage. I began to talk about it with young women whom I knew. And, you know, was this just politics? And what I discovered was it was commonplace. And the young women who I talked to, or women of all ages, said the same thing. If we speak up, we are dismissed, we are disparaged, and we're not invited back to whatever the event is that we have complained about. And so, you know, this really began not only to annoy me, but make me more aware. As I looked at, back in those days, ads for conferences, I remember one for the Wall Street Journal, 17 men and not one woman to be featured on its first Wall Street Journal, you know, techno conference. Then, you know, I received an anthology about politics, 21 authors, 20 men. So, you know, I turned my annoyance into action.
0: I've known Gina's story for a long time, and every time I hear it, I'm stunned. Public stages being monopolized by white male voices has been a problem for as long as there have been public stages. I wanted to understand what made Gina think that at this stage of the game, something new could be done about it.
2: In part, it was because I was post-ambition. I didn't care who I would offend by going after the individuals who have some influence over my future, potentially. And so being able to find a platform to call out the lack of women on stages at major events or, you know, on lists um, was easy because, I was no longer taking any risk, in my view, by doing it.
0: I love the idea of being post-ambition. Gina had achieved a ton by this point. So if she pissed off the wrong people, it wouldn't really harm her. And that made her powerful in a way that
2: she thought we'd lost sight of. You know, I lived through the 100,000 people signing petitions and all those things to make change. And I had a sense that we lost the understanding of what an individual could do. And if I could create both awareness and tools for individuals to use uh, to provoke a response and that it was backed by a community with aligned values that was perceived to be powerful so that if someone sent a tweet and it had the gender adventure hashtag, and made a point about a conference, that there would be a sense by the conference organizers that maybe they should pay attention. And once that attention was paid and that individual who started it saw that they could have an impact, it just gave them a sense of accomplishment, which I thought was really important.
0: Not only was it important, it worked so well. Gina managed to get giant tech conferences to confront and reformat the shamefully unbalanced slate of speakers they were offering. She has this great story about how she did this at a huge annual tech conference in Las Vegas called the Consumer Electronics Show, or CES. Here, I'll let her tell it.
2: It was back in 2018 when CES had six men as their keynote speakers. And just as Gender Adventure had done for over a year, over two years, we you know, sent out our blast and said, you know, CES has no women on the main stage. And the response came not only from our fairly small community, but it came from CMOs, from major organizations, from Twitter, from JP Morgan, from um, all sorts of places that CES was interested in. And so it began on Twitter where I think actually uh, the CMO from J.P. Morgan wrote and said, I'm sitting here with my napkin writing down the names of six women who could have been on stage. And at that time, it garnered some press and Fast Company started writing about it. And I wrote an op-ed about the importance of women on stage, well beyond CES but what it means to the perception of power. That is how we often measure power in this country, is a public presence. And that meant presence on stage. The wonderful part about this story, as you know, Jesse, is that a year later, they were awarded a gold stamp of approval from Gender Avenger. They had reset their main stage speakers to include women and women of color. And it began with. Just not a thousand tweets. It began with maybe 50.
0: We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll hear how these two individual women joined forces to make an even bigger impact. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days.
2: We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to- If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One.
0: And we're back. My guests today are Shelly Zalis and Gina Glantz. Shelly and Gina are both very focused on the importance of presence for women and people of color. I was curious about why getting these voices on stage and in public specifically felt so important.
2: Here's Gina to start us off. When you are on stage, you are perceived as powerful. So if you look up at a stage and it's all men, that's where the power lies. Equality comes from being an equal in the eyes of the beholder. And stages are a place most often, whether it's at Davos or it's at CES or it's at the Wall Street Journal conference conference where people make those assessments. It's also how you feel as an individual when you're on stage. You recognize that you have the qualities that make you a leader because you're on stage speaking to an audience that's listening to you because of your presence.
1: It's making the invisible visible. And visibility, you know, obviously leads to... Notability, notability leads to power, and power then leads to leadership. And, you know, all of these things. It's funny because when you look at CES, because of Gina's, you know, whole concept of gender avenger and calling out, it's not that these conferences are trying to not have women on stages, it's just making people aware. It's just making people aware. And so once we're making people aware, then they have the choice of activating change. And so once we made CES aware, you know what they did? They called us and that's how we got together. And and now we are CES's equality experts. We have 8,500 topic experts that by the way, happen to be women. Across technology, we were able to fill the gap and they understood that.
0: Well, what I love about what you just said there was this idea that awareness is so critical and it is very easy. It's too easy to point fingers to say, oh, you know, they're bad. It's the problem is them and they're bad. But the thing about institutionalized sexism is it exists within all of us, and it is something that we are all working to raise awareness around. And when we make the mistake of othering someone, pointing them out and pointing to them as bad, really what that allows us to do is step back and feel momentarily good about ourselves, but it does nothing to solve any problem. And both of your organizations really go into this with a collaborative problem-solving mindset. Let's use awareness to drive change. This collective commitment to raising awareness, that's the reason that Gina and Shelly are both with me for this episode. This past year, they joined forces, combining their efforts in service to greater change. They discovered their missions were very much aligned, centered around action. It's a way of making their tools more powerful. Tools like Gender Avenger Tally, Now this is one of my favorite, it's so darn simple. And like everything else these women produce, it's designed to raise awareness. It's an app that lets you track when people are speaking
2: and share that information. What the tally does is, as you said, it puts in the hands of the individual the opportunity to demonstrate concern over what they are seeing or reading. And it's on all platforms, It's really simple to use. It has two features. One is called who's present, which means you can look up at a stage and you can put in the number of men, the number of women, the number of women of color, the number of non-binary individuals, and the hashtag if there is one for what you're looking at uh, and the name of the event. And you can put in a photo or it will generate a pie chart. And that pie chart will show the balance, and if in fact there are fifty percent uh, women, and of the whole group there are a minimum fifteen percent women of color, then it pops up and says, you know, the present and future is bright. However, if you have between forty and fifty percent, and you know few. If any women of color, it might say cloudy with a chance of patriarchy. Um, (laughs) It might say overcast without enough women of color. But in each case, it shows a chart and a quick, you know, identifying title that tells you what the noted organization uh, is doing in terms of bringing women into the public dialogue. You can then instantly post it to Twitter to Facebook. You can download, download it for Instagram. You can email it. And a feature that I think is really important is you can send it anonymously. So if you happen to work for the organization who you've just created a tally about, you can hit the anonymous button. It will go to someone, a gender avenger, who will make sure it's a real event, who will make sure it's a real hashtag, and then gender avenger will post it. And that was something we added, which I thought was really important because it then allowed individuals who were not post-ambition to still make a statement. So uh, you can use the who's present feature, or you can use the who's talking. So if you are in a meeting, and this can often happen, there might be pretty good gender balance, but who is dominating the conversation? Who's actually making the decisions? So you can go into the tally and you can, you, know, you hit whether a dude or not a dude is speaking. And the tally will then again create a pie chart that will show you the balance of the men who are speaking and the women who are speaking and the women of color who are speaking. Now, the unique part of this, Jesse, is an outcome we didn't expect, which is Women are using this in their their works or on their Zoom screens, taking the results and quietly sometimes bringing it to the attention of the leadership. And this happened in one major foundation where someone did it. And I know that the leadership of that foundation, of course, was caught off guard because they thought of themselves as naturally, you know, uh, concerned about and, and worry about and acted on gender equality. And they took it upon themselves to look at their meetings, the structure of their meetings, how they could change it. So one can actually help move the culture of an organization because you have to have to show what happened in real time.
0: That was Gina Glantz and Shelley Zalis. You can visit them online at genderavenger.com and thefemalequotient.com. And I want to remind you of why I asked Shelly and Gina to come on the show.
1: I always ask myself, um, what can I do? And the answer is always do something, be better, be bold, be brave, be fearless, and try. Because if you don't, you'll never
0: know. Look, look at what each of them has done. Listening to this conversation, I want to turn the question back to you. What matters to you? What change do you feel you want to see urgently? What are you doing about it? As our year wraps up, I'm taking stock personally. These days, I'm thinking about climate change. I'm thinking about social equality I'm hoping, as the holidays approach, that my neighbors aren't hungry. Gina's story and Shelley's story, they're inspirations to me, as I hope they are to you. If you're a person with any resources, time, money, relationships, you can do something. It's incumbent upon you to try. This week on Office Hours, we're going to talk about it. We won't all reform big orgs like Davos, but there's something good we can do for ourselves and our communities. Come up with one thing, just one, and we'll share them when we go live from the LinkedIn news page, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And as always, if you like the show, please rate and review us. It helps us so much. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Sarah Storm with help from Taisha Henry. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Ariando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor are committed to making change. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. We're back next Monday. Thanks for listening.
1: It's the greatest feeling in the whole world knowing I raised such an amazing child. It's like watching him as a dad just makes me so happy.
0: I mean, I I just think about my three year old, and I I'm in this period where I feel like weirdly in love with him. Like I just, I it's almost makes me uncomfortable how much I adore him. And the idea of like one day fast forward, be like being able to see him be in that role is pretty profound.
1: No, it's it, it it's honestly, it's just like just seeing my son with his son on his chest is the greatest joy I could. I I really cannot believe it.
0: Wow. Uh, It's just, it's amazing.
1: And how loving and adoring he is with this child is so beautiful.
0: That is really wonderful.